Good morning, everyone. This is Phil Goldfeder here on Spin Class on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And for the first time, coming to you solo this Thursday morning. And while we're going to be talking about Yerushalayim in just a minute, uh, Michael Fragan is actually enjoying Yerushalayim. And uh, we wish him a safe travels and uh, a great trip. And uh, we hope to see him back here soon. Let's get right into it. I mean, there is so much to talk about. And, and we, Michael and I, have spoken about this in the past. When we first envisioned this show, um, we decided that this was going to be as a, a slight inside look into local politics, city politics, state politics, federal politics, and give our listeners a quick insider's take, and then arguably have a bit of a debate, right? Michael being the Republican, I'm a Democrat, a conservative Democrat, but Democrat nonetheless, uh, have a debate about some of the issues of the day, whether it was in the city, whether it was with the mayor, with the governor. Uh, unfortunately, we have been bogged down, literally breaking news story after breaking news story. I should say, quote unquote, breaking news, because I, I think, you know, CNN has its own definition of breaking news. Every network is literally updating and, and breaking some sort of news every few minutes. And, and quite frankly, I mean, I think. The challenge for elected officials, and I'm going to take this a step back and, and talk for a moment, take a bit of liberty as I served in public office for five years uh, before joining Yeshiva University as the ass assistant vice president for government affairs. I had the very distinct pleasure of serving as a state assemblyman in Albany, representing the areas of Southern Queens and Rockaway, and that included areas in Far Rockaway and Breezy Point and Howard Beach, and I truly enjoyed it. It was the greatest experience of my, of my life. It was rewarding. It was exciting. I was able to do public service, literally work on behalf of the CLAL every single day. And the, the beauty of it is every day was different because every single day new problems would arise and new issues would arise. And I literally worked. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. 24 hours a day. And I wish I could say six days a week. You know, and as Orthodox Jews, we, we often joke, well, we work 24-6. Unfortunately, even on Shabbos, sometimes there was work to be done. There was things going on, whether it was during Hurricane Sandy or so many of the other issues that, that, that came up. There was always work to be done. And so we were working, you know, and I was working literally 24-7. And the hardest part was is that Government and politics normally is a thankless job. Now, most people look at elected officials and they see them at ribbon cuttings, at ceremonies, at yeshiva dinners, and we think that, oh, big deal. So that guy, he comes around, he speaks at yeshiva dinners, and, and that's the job he does. So big deal. What is so, what is so great? What is so grand? And unfortunately, most of the newspapers, most of the coverage is negative and you know, not to get into the current president, but unfortunately, most of the news is negative, even when, and I had this debate on, I was at a Shalom Zachar last Friday night, and I literally had this debate that the news doesn't cover the positive, right? Even when there is positive, the news tends not to cover it. And why? Because nobody wants to hear the good news. People want to hear what sells, right? News networks want to play what sells, and what people want to hear is the negative news, is the bad news. And what frustrated me most as an elected official, was that it didn't matter how hard I was working, it didn't matter how late I was staying up or, or how many hours I spent in Albany away from my family, people understood and people thought what they read in the newspaper or what others told them at dinner conversations. So this idea that all politicians dot, dot, dot. What do I mean by that? All politicians are 
crooks. All politicians are thieves. All politicians lie. That is a simple generalization. Like any other generalization, we tend to dislike and, and speak out against. There's no reason to categorize every single politician in every single way. Now, when I'm sitting at the table, people say, well, Phil, you're different. You weren't that way. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, from literally being in Albany for weeks on end, that so many, if not all of my colleagues, worked hard, were enthusiastic, were energetic, were doing the best they could on behalf of the people they represented. Sadly, only to wake up in the morning and open the newspaper and read how corrupt they were. And I want you to think about what that does to somebody who literally spends their days and nights working on behalf of the Kalal only to, to read the negative things. And so I, I'd like to take this show in a bit of a different direction and talk a bit about the positive. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to be in Washington, D.C. Uh, I, I, I joined along with, uh, as, a, as a staff member for Yeshiva University with 25 other organizations, including including uh, so many organizations that, that many of us are a part of, who came together in a unified way to celebrate Yom Yerushalayim. Um, and everybody who's listening knows that Yom Yerushalayim, is, is, yesterday was the 50th anniversary, and, and I think we actually celebrate it officially next Monday, but, but in Washington we were celebrating Yom Yerushalayim yesterday. The reunification of Yerushalayim after the 1967 war, which was the first time uh, that we controlled uh, Yerushalayim since, I think, the destruction of uh, the second base on Mikdash. And so it was a very joyous day. And here was what made it great. Not because there was any surprises. You know, let's be clear, right? When an elected official is coming to a room, and I think there was about 200 people in Washington, in the Capitol Visitor Center, there was literally 200 people from organizations all across the country and families from all across the country who came to hear from members of Congress. Let's be clear, there were no surprises. What do I mean by that? I mean that everybody came in, knew who they were speaking to, and made sure to say the right thing. And so there was no surprises, but you know what was fantastic? We had Democrats, we had Republicans who all stood up to say the same thing, that America must stand with Israel and there should be no light, no vision, no break in between that. And sadly, right, while everybody said that, some, very few, and, and I'd say there was a, probably about five or six senators that came through and about 20 members of the House that came through. Again, Democrats and Republicans from all over the country. I had a, an opportunity to see our very own uh, Kathleen Rice from the Five Towns, Tom Swazi from Northern Queens, Jerry Nadler, um, uh, Elliot Engel, and, and again, so many other great New Yorkers. But like I said, members of the House from all across, some, some took the opportunity to talk about negative policies of the last administration. Now, they didn't come out and bash President Obama. They didn't you know, come out directly and say it, but they inferred about the policies of the last administration. And then some found the opportunity to call out President Trump. You know about things that maybe he should be doing or that that he that he said he was going to do but he hadn't done yet. And quite frankly, while I may have agreed with some and I may have disagreed with the others. I was disappointed. I was disappointed that uh, members of, of Congress thought so little, or some, and again, I want to be very clear, it wasn't all of them. You know, if 25 people came through, maybe two or three did this, but who literally belittled the opportunity and, and belittled and, and sort of 
really made light of the situation of this was a day for all of us to be united. It's not a day. And by the way, for the Democrats in the room, for the Republicans to be beating up on policies of President Obama. I wasn't there to hear that. At the same time as a Democrat, I did not want to hear Democrats beating up on President Trump. Quite frankly, yesterday was not the time, was not the place to be doing that. And yet some did. And quite frankly, I wasn't surprised, but I was disappointed. Because when people do that, that is the thing and that is the the, the notion that gives all us politicians a bad name. Quite frankly, people did not want to hear it yesterday. And I give so many credit for, for getting up there, not talking about the last president, not talking about this president, not talking about Democrat and Republican, getting up there and saying, I don't care what the politics are. I don't care uh, what's going on in the country. I don't care what's going on in the news today. I am here today to send a strong message that 50 years after the reunification of Yerushalayim, I'm here to tell you that it should be 50 years more and, and 100 years and, and, and forever and ever and ever. Yerushalayim is the undisputed, indisputed capital of Israel, and that's the way it should remain. And the United States needs to take a strong position. And as members of Congress, we will continue to do that, regardless of what party we are. And, and, and I tell you this because, again, you know, my point, and, and I think Michael and I have, have had this conversation a lot. Our point is not to wake up and say, well, what is the issue of the day or, or what is the blunder of the day and how do we talk about it? How do we talk about what is positive? And so let's talk for a second about some of the things that, that I was able to accomplish and some of the things that, that we worked on in Albany that didn't matter if you were a Democrat. It didn't matter if you were a Republican. These are things that you supported that transcends politics, much like Israel transcends politics in Washington. There are items in Albany that transcend politics. And let's talk about, for a moment, Jewish education, right? There is a, 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 a fight that has been going on for a long, long time um, across, uh, across the country. But here in New York State, for a long time, there have been organizations like the Orthodox Union and so many others who have literally been on the front lines trying to secure uh, government funding for non-public schools. Now, to be clear, that does not mean that we're looking for government funding to fund religious education, right? We believe in a, a separation of church and state. And the idea is, is that for items that are being taught in yeshivas that are also being taught in public schools, arguably there could be funding. Things as simple as busing, right? What does, what's the matter, what's the difference where that bus takes me? If it takes me to a public school or a private school, I pay taxes, I deserve those rights. What's the difference? We're all using the same books. What's the difference if I'm in a public school or a private school? And so the argument could be made uh, that the state should be funding um, non-public schools, again, to be clear, not for religious education. And so that fight has been going on for years, and we had made tremendous improvements. And I am proud to say that in the five years that I was in the state legislature, the funding nearly doubled, um, but not just in funding for the programs and, and mandated services and um, and the comprehensive attendance policy. Those were programs that were going on for so long. We actually found new ways to do that. Um, we found new ways to, to find funding. And an example of that is that a few years ago when New York State uh, was looking to pass stricter gun laws and there was money put in the budget for security for public schools, 
Many members, together with Assemblyman Simanowitz, Mike Simanowitz of Hugarn Hills, Assemblyman, uh, Assemblywoman Neely Rosick of Fresh Meadows, uh, Assemblyman Mike Cusick of Staten Island, Assemblyman Anthony Brindisi of Utica, New York, all got up and said, wait a second, why are we only concerned about security in public schools? Why are we not secure? Why are we not concerned about security of every student? And so for the first time in the history of the state, New York State funded to the tune at the time of $5 million, uh, in addition to what they were doing for public schools, to fund security um, requests for private schools, for non-public schools. And, and, and that was historic. And the next year, we continued that funding at, at $10 million, excuse me, at $5 million. The year after that, it doubled to $10 million. So we opened the door to this idea that we can fund public schools and we can fund private schools and everybody could be a winner. We saw that just this year. You know, New York City, we are, are, are governed by the New York City Council. And New York City Council arguably is one of the most progressive liberal uh, councils and, and legislative bodies in the entire country. And this year, thanks to the leadership of Councilman David Greenfield, thanks to the support of Mayor Bill de Blasio, for the first time, Every student now gets security guards from the city of New York. We do not differentiate whether you go to private school, whether you go to charter school, whether you go to public school, whether you are entitled to safety and security. And I thank those members of the city council who champion this. But the idea is very, very simple. It is not our, our, our support is not mutually exclusive. And so this idea that we've actually been able to accomplish, not as Democrats, not as Republicans, we're not looking for the idealistic divide, for the ideological divide that is going to separate us, that is going to enable us to continue to fight with each other and get nothing done. Instead, instead, we sent a message to the entire country. Again, I believe that as goes New York, goes the country. We sent a message to the entire country that if we can accomplish, if we could put our party politics aside, if we could put our ideological divide aside, we can actually get something done. Now, interestingly enough, a few years ago, and I had this debate with public school supporters as well who like to make the argument, well, Phil, if we give money to private schools, we're going to take money out of the pocket of public schools. Ladies and gentlemen, New York State this year passed a budget of $150 billion. And so, Two years ago, I, I asked one of the public school advocates, and, and there are many of them uh, hanging around the halls of Albany, especially during budget time. And I said very, very straight, you know, this budget that we just passed a few hours ago, how did we do for public schools? And they said, Phil, you guys did great. You increased funding by 4%. Every school is going to get the resources they need to be successful. We've passed historic education reforms. And so, Phil, you've done everything great. And then I went to the private schools. And I went to the private school organization, and I talked to my great friend at the time. It was Jeff Leb. Since then, uh, it is now Jake Adler, who runs uh, Teach NYS, the Orthodox Union Advocacy. And I said, hey, guys, how did we do from the private school perspective? And they said, Phil, this was a great year. We doubled our money for security. We increased our money for cap and mandated services. And so all of a sudden, I got two independent views, and I was excited. They both did well. And so interestingly enough, I went back to the public school parent, uh, advocates and I said, hey guys, you know, the private schools are also happy. 
oh, you see, you could have given us more money. You could have put more money into the public schools. I said, wait a second, wait a second. Just a few minutes ago, you were happy. We were able to accomplish both things. And all of a sudden, instantly, the second someone else got something, they needed they needed more, regardless of whether it was actually needed or not. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the problem with politics. That is what turns people off. What turns people off is that we turn on the news and all we hear today is the negative, 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 negative. Now, again, I'm not going to comment on on the so many activities. This has been a very busy week in national politics. Uh, just uh, just last night, a special prosecutor was uh, was appointed. Uh, the former FBI director was appointed as a special prosecutor to continue the Trump investigation. Great. Let that move on. Let us put this to bed. Let the president govern. He is planning a, a very ambitious uh, trip overseas. He's going to Israel. Let us put this past week behind us. We have now have a special prosecutor that will continue, hopefully give us an impartial. So so let's put it behind us. Let's find a way to move forward. And I, and I pledge to you like this, God willing, when Michael gets back, and I'm excited to have him back because I've now learned that this is not an easy show to do on your own. It's easier when you have a partner that you could talk to. When Michael comes back, I pledge that we're going to find ways to, 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 to find the positive, to talk about what is going well. And if it's not happening in the federal government, then we're going to talk about the state. And if it's not happening in the state, then we're going to talk about the city. We've got to find a way to show the world and to show you that politics and, and government is meant to work for the people. You know, there's a, the, the, the term politician. Right? Politician almost has a negative, has a negative implication. And so many of many politicians now call ourselves public servants. But think about what that means. We serve the public. I, I tell students now, being at Yeshiva University, um, as the Assistant Vice President government for Government Affairs, I have the opportunity to spend time with the students. And I, I literally, I tell them, number one, that you always have to do what you love. Whatever career you choose, you have to do with you what you love and do it from the heart and do it with passion. Because when you do it, what you love, with passion, you're going to do a great job. And that holds true exactly in public service. If you do it for the right reasons, you never forget where you come from. You never forget who you're there to represent. It's not about yourself. It's not about your ego. It's not about grand speeches. It's not about ribbon cuttings. It's about the most basic fundamental idea that government is there to serve the people they represent. Whether you, whether you believe in big government or whether you believe in small government, public servants are there, politicians are there to serve the people they represent. And I firmly believe that. And I don't believe I'm the exception to the rule because that's the response I get. Phil, you're the exception to the rule. I don't believe it. I am uh, very close. Obviously, I spent so many years in, in public service, whether I was in the state assembly or working for Chuck Schumer or serving under Mike Bloomberg at City Hall. I could tell you that so many people who I spent time with fundamentally in their hearts care about the people they want to serve. And unfortunately, and by the way, yes, there are people who do bad things, but you find that in every profession. Unfortunately, as elected officials, as public servants, we're in the public eye. Someone once said to me, when you're sitting in the assembly chamber, when you're sitting in the House of Representatives, you're in what they call the fishbowl because everybody could see what you're doing. Now, that was true 10 years ago. Today, with social media and, and the so many 24-hour news cycle, it really is holds even more true that everything you do is being viewed by the public. And so you've got to make sure you're holding yourself to a higher authority. 
And, and quite frankly, there are so many elected officials, majority, who literally are there to do the work of the people, who are literally there to, uh, to, to serve the people who elected them. I used, to, I, I used to joke that I had, when I was in the state assembly, I had 130,000 bosses, right? Every one of them could get up on election day and say, you know what, you are fired. Uh, and quite frankly, as I started the show with talking about uh, yesterday's celebration in Washington, D.C., uh, for the 50th anniversary of Yom Yerushalayim, the reunification of Jerusalem, uh, there were very few, majority, and I would say 95% of the people came through, and, and really, I couldn't even tell you if they were a Democrat and Republican. I honestly couldn't tell you what party they represented, but there were a few who took that opportunity to, to, to find ways to divide, to talk about what divides us, and quite frankly, I think all of us are sick of it. And whether you support Donald Trump or you voted for Donald Trump or whether you voted for Hillary Clinton or whether you voted for Phil Goldfeder. Thank you to the 18 people who voted for Phil Goldfeder for president. Right now, it doesn't matter. You've heard me say before, you know, I want this president to see, succeed. I want every president to succeed, Democrat or Republican. Why? Very simply because I am an American and I want this country to succeed. And if this country succeeds, I will be able to succeed, and I am excited about, about moving forward, about finding ways to look at the positive aspects of what is going on in the city and state, and obviously, I hope that will lead to some healthy debate, because when you talk about the positive, you talk about policy positions, there are two sides, right? There are Democrats, there are Republicans, there are conservatives, there are liberals, there are two sides to every argument, and those are the debates we should be having, because whether you what makes this country great whether you agree with someone or you disagree with someone, we have a democratic process that allows for us to have peaceful transitions of power, to have honest intellectual debates, and allow us to continue to move forward. And unfortunately, whether we're seeing it in Albany right now or we're seeing it in Washington, D.C., we have come to a standstill. We are not passing any bills. We are not finding ways to work together. We are not moving forward, and that is fundamentally flawed and we have got to find a way and that's going to start right here um easy for me to say michael is not with us today michael is actually enjoying the beautiful weather of Yerushalayim. we hope to have him back next week this is again spin class here on the nachem siegel network nachemsegel.com this is phil goldfeder talking politics you know this is a an off year for the federal government we just got through elections uh, we are going to get into the midterm elections in 2018. But what is happening yesterday, for anybody who lives outside of New York City, for all our listeners outside of New York City, you had school board elections. Um, you had other elections. I know in, in some counties and villages there was library elections. I'm happy to say that things are moving forward, at least on the local level, on the hyper-local level, where ideology you know, oftentimes doesn't play a role. We're seeing people who are generally happy with their school districts, more and more budgets are being passed. Uh, more and more things are getting done. It is very exciting. Yesterday was an election day, and, and I'm excited about a new a crop of elected officials who have joined the ranks. Um, as we look forward to September and then November of 2017 here in New York City um, and in many cities across the country, we are going to have local elections. Every member of the New York City Council is up for re-election, as is Mayor de Blasio, um, Comptroller Scott Stringer, and uh, Public Advocate Tish James, they are all up for re-election. You know, I you know, will take a moment, and, and again, Michael is not here, so there's no one here to argue with me, but 
I'm going to take a moment to talk about about this mayor. Now, I've known I've known Bill de Blasio for a long time. Uh, when I worked uh, for Mike Bloomberg in 2005, uh, then Councilman Bill de Blasio was was the councilman. He was someone who focused. He was hyper focused on his district. Uh, he represented parts of. Uh, Prospect Park and, and Bar Park, and he was hyper focused, and he was a doer. He was an active member of the city council. He was someone who literally was everywhere all the time. After he was elected to public advocate, and I can tell you this from my own personal experience. Again, he's always been a friend, but it, this is not. And again, I'm. I, I want to be very clear. This is not an endorsement in any way. I want to tell you my my personal story that when Hurricane Sandy hit, I got elected in September of 2011. Hurricane Sandy hit in October of 2012, and I literally didn't know what to do. I mean, as a newly elected official, what is my role? Where, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? One of the first calls I got at the time, it was public advocate Bill de Blasio who called me to say, Phil, what are you doing? How are you doing? How are you surviving? What can I do to help you as public advocate? What can I do to help you? And he was just a, a friendly voice, someone who I just appreciated, took the time to think about what is someone going through? How can I be of a service to them? Now, so I, I've told that story to, I don't know, hundreds of people. I literally have told that story to hundreds of people. And most people say and, and discount it. I say, well, you know, he was already a, a, a he was already a, a candidate for mayor. Phil, he only called you because he wanted your support in his mayoral election. Let me let me be clear. He was the only at the time, he was the first and only person to call me. And so the argument, well, he was a candidate. Well, there were other candidates. They didn't call me. And so whether it was because he was a candidate or because he was a genuinely just a good person, he called me to say, how are you doing and, and what can I do to help you? And he was also the first citywide elected official to step foot in Rockaway and walk with me door to door, business to business. And so that is my personal experience. He is a person who was there for me. He was there for, for Rockaway when we needed him. And and there's no question that he has seen he has seen some public criticism and he has heard public criticism about many different things. But let me say, the city is functioning. This city is moving forward very, very well. Crime is down. Our businesses are doing well. Transportation infrastructure and and, and take away the, 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 the troubles of the MTA the last few days. And if you were on the subway, the Long Island Railroad, take that away. Transportation options have improved. If you live in Rockaway, you're enjoying a brand new ferry. I know that five ferry lines have gone on across the, um, across the city and, and more to come. The city is doing well. And so, yeah, there's no question. Again, there is ideological divide. There are those people who are, gonna, who are going to disagree with certain policy decisions he has made. But you can't argue with the fact that the city is moving in the right direction. We talked about one of the first things he did was universal pre-K. Pre now talking about education for every three-year-old. By the way, that it doesn't matter if you're in public school or private school. Every three-year-old deserves an education. And this mayor has, has, has sort of put that on the front burner to give our kids the, tool, our kids the tools they need to be successful. And so... I could say that, that that I have known Bill de Blasio personally, and again, this is not an endorsement, and I, I wish him only the best, but I, I will say that, that he is someone who has always been a friend, and I can say, and I don't think anybody could debate the fact that this city is moving forward, and in addition to that, again, there's not, I can't say enough about Comptroller Scott Stringer. Again, Scott has, has always been a a personal friend, as someone who who calls me constantly, and and Tish James is is everywhere all the time. I mean, uh, there is not a meeting I go to where uh, Tish and or her office is not there. And so I'm 
I'm very happy with the way that this city is, is moving. I'm very happy with the operations, and I'm very happy with our current crop of elected officials who have done a really great job. And I can tell you that as a former elected official and now someone uh, who works at Yeshiva University, elected official, I get to see it a, a bit from the outside looking in, elected officials who work really hard as we started this show on behalf of their constituents, regardless of their party registration, regardless of their ideological beliefs. And so I urge everyone to get involved. And, and this is my final message of the show as we wind down the, the last minute of the show. You know, there's so many people who are working, so many elected officials who are working so hard to accomplish for you two things. Number one, get out and vote. Don't complain and then don't go vote. Number two is to show your appreciation. If your street was plowed, let's not just go on Twitter and talk about all the negative things. Let's not go on Twitter to complain. Every once in a while, let's go on Twitter and say thank you. I could say that as a former elected Let's every once in a while take the opportunity to say thank you. Things are running smoothly. The police did a great job. They apprehended a, a criminal in record time. Thank you. The sanitation picked up my trash. Thank you. Let us take the opportunity to go online, whether it's sending an email, going on Twitter, going on Facebook. Let's take that opportunity to, to appreciate the good that our elected officials, our public servants are doing on behalf of the people. And so with that, this has been another episode of Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I want to say thank you again to all our listeners and, and keep the comments coming. Uh, please stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. We look forward to having Michael back next week. Have a great Shabbos, everybody.